Hello, and welcome to another episode of Latina Life with Jenna Malena. Our super Latina today is a risk taker. She is a brand manager and social media marketing strategist and coach, the owner of Identity Amplified, a company that guides celebrities, influencers, and creatives in all of those areas. And she is managing the entire social media strategy for this year's American Reality Television Awards. Welcome to the show, Sarah Olea. How are you? Thank you, Jen. I'm so great to be here today. Oh my God, I'm so excited to have you. And Melina, sorry that she can't be here. She's stuck in traffic and she can't make it. So it'll be a little one-on-one time, you and me, to chatting about. I love it. No problem at all. <laughs> Fantastic. So, so let's get started. Um, you know, obviously about you and your story. Um, what, are you from Los Angeles? Um, did you, were you born and raised? And is that why you decided to go into social media marketing? I love that. Definitely not why I started to go into social media marketing, but I am born and raised in, in I was born and raised in La Puente actually. And okay. that's LA County still. Yeah. I stayed in LA County. It's funny because if you trace my family back, we go into California all the way to, uh, Pio Pico, who was the last governor of California. He's actually like yeah. my great, great, great uncle. <laughs> What? No. Yeah. When we look back in that, it's like we've been in California since before it was America. (laughs) Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. You guys are like you're like royalty. I mean, really, (laughs) you are. I mean, there should be some sort of like recognition to your family. Are you guys treated differently, like in La Puente or not? I mean, what's interesting and and you may have experienced this in in your family, too. When my when my dad was being raised, it wasn't cool to be Mexican. It wasn't cool no. to speak Spanish, right? No. In fact, and sorry, my eyes like watering. I think it's allergies. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so wins, crying, wins. I promise. So, <laughs> you know, it wasn't it wasn't cool to speak Spanish. It wasn't a second language you learned it as as an elective. And so my grandparents, I believe, especially my grandfather on my dad's side, really wanted to protect my family. And so they didn't teach my dad Spanish. Their thought mm-hmm. was like, you know go to college, achieve these things. And my dad really wasn't in, instilled with the, any Mexican heritage. And then mm-hmm. my father um, was a musician, loved music, met my mother who's Italian. And unfortunately they both fell under drug addiction. And that mm-hmm. was something that was for a long time. But the beauty was that I got to live with my Nana, my dad's mom. And so she raised my brother and I, And that's where we got to learn more of our Mexican heritage. Mm -hmm. And that's where a lot of my values were instilled in me because she was this strong, independent woman Mm -hmm. where I felt like there were no boundaries. You know, she knew how difficult it was being a woman in a career that she was in. She understood the difficulties and challenges at that time being a minority, but that never stopped her. And so that allowed me to see her and know if she can do all of this, I can do it too. And so there was... I was raised without limits, which I think mm-hmm. is what allowed me to take risks. And mm-hmm. so at a young age, I started down the path of entrepreneurship because I saw people around me fulfilling their dreams and their goals without limitations. Okay. And, and that is something important, right? Because when you start and you don't have very much, sometimes you can feel like the walls are enclosing in on you, right? As long as you can't oh, see yeah. another avenue. So for you to actually be able to see that people were, there were other avenues for people to take, like, what were you seeing? Like, what kind of opportunities were people seizing on? 
you know, my, my grandmother was, um, she, she divorced uh, my grandfather and her, they, they had a, a relationship. She actually wrote and published a book about it, a very unhealthy, um, family, you know, uh, dynamic. And mm. she decided after that divorce, she was going to go back to school, actually went to UCLA. And so mm. with five children goes back to school, gets her degree working for, um, child protective services which I'm sure is really difficult when your family, you know, we went into her custody through child protective services. Yeah. That was where she was working and serving. But I got to see a woman who, who had two life paths. She was the stay at home mom and took care of her five children. But when that marriage didn't end up being how she wanted and expected it probably to be when she first got married, she didn't allow that to derail her. She went on to going to school and pursuing her dreams and her education. And so it allowed me to see the benefit in both being a mother and, and taking care of your children and raising great children and yet always also pursuing after your dreams. Mm-hmm. And so I, I never saw the limitations that she saw because she broke so many barriers for me to kind of follow in her, in her footsteps. Right. You know, it's so interesting. So you're thinking, because my next question was going to be, you know, I'm first generation Mexican American, my parents are from Mexico, Jalisco and Zacatecas. And, um, you know, they met here when they were in LA and I was going to say, well, you know, it shows you, you know, as first generation, you know, your parents show you these, this work ethic, but you're not first generation. You've been Mm -hmm. here for, I mean, this speaks to like, our heritage and our culture, I think, in regards uh, to, right? Yeah, like yeah. like the, the genealogy of, of the yes. world, you know? That's the word. Um, because I think that there is a generational gap. My generation, um, so I grew up in La Puente, it was a predominantly Hispanic neighborhood. We, we had a great mix of a lot of other things as well. But I met a lot of my friends were first generation and mm-hmm. and their older brothers, you know, were, were all first generation. But the interesting thing was that because the parents were two household income, both working, some of the kids fell under gang activity and other lifestyles because they didn't have. And then the generation, their kids are learning after their grandparents and they're so, right. so it, it's like the struggles is either going to allow you to see opportunity or it's going to push you into a different lifestyle. And I think where it differentiates is really us looking at what our parents are doing and what, what are they, what are they not doing and giving us the opportunity to see, here's what I want to model after. Here's what I don't want to model after all of our families have substance abuse. There's no Mm -hmm. family that, that goes without an alcohol alcoholic or drug addict in their family. I think almost every household in America, unfortunately, can relate to that. Mm-hmm. So in my case, I'm so happy that I had to see both paths, but the one that instilled some value into me, the one that I spent time with, the one that I recognized as um, the path I wanted to take was my grandmother who was first generation, right? Mm-hmm. So it's interesting how we can see the different generations responding to American culture, society, you know, all of those different things. Um, I think what's also interesting is I I also grew up a lot with my mother's family, who's Italian Mm -hmm. and first, second generation Italian and not Hispanic and and very different work ethic, very different model. How? Like, how is it different? You know, it's a lot of family oriented, right? Here's the interesting part. My grandmother on my mother's side was a mother of five also. And, and she ended up getting a job later, but not really a pursuit of education. Um, 
just kind of like we're living the American dream by being here. There wasn't this pursuit for more. Whereas my, my Nana, she had this pursuit for more. Mm-hmm. No one was going to tell her she couldn't do something. You know, she, like I said, she recently, maybe it's been about five years now, wrote a book and published it. And it was something yeah. that she never planned on doing. Um, and she could have listened to herself and say, I'm just going to keep writing blogs and letters for the family, but instead was like, oh, I'm going all the way and I'm publishing this book. And so it's just a different dynamic. And I think that some people can see opportunity and just be relaxed and comfortable in it. And others can see opportunity and say, I'm going to take full advantage of this. Right. That's one thing that my Nana did as I think she just take full advantage of every opportunity she could. Now for you living in your household, obviously you've got Italian, you've got Mexican, and there's Native American as well there. And it was that something that you knew all along, something you discovered recently? No, I've known Native American my whole life. Um, I want to say I knew I was Native American before I really understood that I was Mexican because those two blend so much depending Mm -hmm. on where you're from, right? So my tribe being in Arizona Um, And a lot of my Mexican family being from Arizona and California, it was so blended, even though it was my, my father and then his, his father and my grandmother. So, and his mother. So my grandmother, predominantly Mexican, my um, grandfather, Mexican and native American. So they blend so well and together, Mm -hmm. you know? So for me, it was all the same. It was just family. And then as you get older, you start to see different traditions, right? Native American have different spiritual traditions, you know, different, um, there'd be some Catholics there, but a lot more spiritual overall. So mm-hmm. see differences in that as well. And so how did that growing up, even as a young adult, especially, you know, as you're starting your career, mm-hmm. how did that, you know, mix sort of impact you? Did it, did it help guide you? Did it confuse you? Like, how did you deal with who you no. were and are? My family has always been one that I think we just, it was about loving and supporting each other. You know, Mm -hmm. when when you look down my family history, as I kind of mentioned to you, they wanted to build this like American family. And I think that they almost took out a little of the Mexican culture to like want to protect their kids and give them the best possible future because right. like I said it it wasn't cool to be yeah, Latino it wasn't. It was and not. so my dad doesn't speak a word of, I mean he speaks maybe three words of Spanish right, literally. Right, right exactly and so for him it, he calls himself a coconut you know he's like I'm brown on the outside but I'm a little white <laughs> on the inside you know and so for us it was more like we knew there was a disconnect in our culture. And I think that honestly brought in maybe a little bit of like depression and anxiety in my family when we kind of look at, you know, I think having an, uh, an understanding of your culture is so important. Who are you? Where are you from? Mm-hmm. These are questions mm-hmm. children ask, right? Right. But I think for my family, it was always about like, how do we just love and support one another as a whole? Like we have so much confusion in the world overall. Like how do we just support each other one-to-one? And I think that some culture was brought in, some was just learning and adopting. I think for me, you know, I didn't take the path that my Nana did as far as education. And I think that I always hear her voice a little bit like, go back to school and get your bachelor's. Mm-hmm. Right. But I took an entrepreneurial route. So, you know, I was 19 years old. I think I was making like $90,000 a year. And it's really hard to tell a 19 year old to go back to school and she's yeah. making this money. Right. Now, do I wish sometimes? Yes, because I'll be completely transparent with you in this. I I had an agency for five years. And when I partnered with my business partner, 
and I've never shared this before, actually, Jen, like mm, publicly. Okay. Um, when I partnered with her, I looked at her and thought, she's a beautiful white girl, blonde hair, blue eyes. She's going to be able to open doors that I can't get in. And it was, it was a subconscious thing that mm-hmm. I recognized when I closed my business five years later. Mm-hmm. And because I'm, I'm writing a book right now and it's called My Business Failed, I Didn't. And it's how I lost my identity in my small business. And as I was writing the book, I had to ask myself, what made me partner and, and prolong and things? And when I went all the way back to the very beginning, I remember meeting her thinking she can get places I can't. She's educated. She's pretty. She's looks this type of way. Right. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know because I'd never been taught boundaries or limits. I'd never been told you're a woman, so you can't do this or you're Latina. So beware of this. I didn't have that growing up. I, I was shown no boundaries, no limits, take over the world. I was raised by all women independent. My grandmother had been divorced. My other grandfather passed away. So on both sides of my family, it was women telling me you can do and be whoever you want to be at any point in your life. But subconsciously, I didn't see a lot of me in different businesses. So I didn't know it was a boundary. But I remember thinking I always partnered with males because I needed a man. And then eventually it turned to not just a man, but a female that looks different than I am and, and, mm-hmm. and educated differently than I am mm-hmm. to open doors and no, um, you know, negative towards her. It's just me realizing that I didn't value myself mm-hmm. when I was a huge asset and it was my skill set and my, my network of people that launched that business. I didn't need someone that looked different, that had a, a different degree, that, you know, had a, a huge financial family coming from, you know, coming from a family of wealth. I didn't need that. I needed to value who I was and recognize that I can create opportunities for more people like me and to be in these doors. You know, mm-hmm. what I find interesting when I talk to families um, or people and women that do struggle with this consciously and subconsciously they've been told there's limits on them. Yeah. I wasn't, but yet we face the same thing. And I think what it comes down to is just familiar. What's mm-hmm. familiar when you walk into a room and you're the only one, you're the only woman there, you know, Oh, this is going to be interesting or whatever. Right. You know? Right. I should have wore a, you know, a, a, yeah. a turtleneck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Different things like that. Um, and so as I'm writing my book, I'm realizing that although I was never told boundaries, there were some that I had subconsciously that I needed to break through. That is so interesting. We've had so many different guests on, on the show, on the podcast, who've talked about, you know, when I asked them, you know, do you remember a time there was a challenging moment that you had yeah. to go through? Right. And, um, or there are plenty of challenging moments, but it sounds like you didn't meet any kind of challenge from anyone externally or did you and not realize it? You know, I think it was an internal thing, right. Mm-hmm. But it was obviously an external representation of what was mm-hmm. happening, right? Like, yes. When I, when I met her, I had, she was, I hired her first as my assistant before we had partnered in a business. I was work. I was the only woman in the, on the, in the department, the Mm -hmm. only woman and the only other woman that was, was, she was always replaced by somebody else. So, right. Other than that, you know, I'm working with an owner, a CEO, another marketing executive and all this. And so I hired her as my assistant. And when I thought about starting my own business, I thought I got to take her with me because 
she checks off all these boxes. Right. But I don't think it was ever like someone told me to do it. I just looked around the room and was like, she's going to be attractive to these types of people. She has an education that stands out more than mine. And she looks like these other people. Mm -hmm. So I didn't realize it honestly until like about a year ago, as I'm writing this book and going back to think, why did I make certain decisions? Because we don't want to make the same mistakes and patterns ahead I don't ever want to partner with someone because I don't value myself. And I think they're valued more, you mm-hmm. know? So I, yeah, it, it was like an external thing, but really an internal value thing. You right. know, we, we can see two people you could see two Latino men walk into a room. And if one's confident and one's not you, you're, we want to hire the more confident one. Yeah. 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 Internally, it may be that one says, I don't care what anyone says about who I am and what I can and cannot achieve. I'm going to do it where the other says, everyone says that I can't reach this goal. So I probably can't. Mm -hmm. It's a mindset. Is it an external thing? Absolutely. It's what we hear, what we see, what we read. But if we internally process it differently and reframe it for ourselves, will we still come across those challenges? Yes, I did. But now I know I am a value in a room full of men, in a room full of all white men, all any kind of men, I am a value here. And so when I realized the internal struggle I was having, the external doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, that's true. Absolutely. You know, and it's interesting. You're saying it's like what, like, you know what you see, right? There's more, now there's more representation of the Latino community, right? The Latinas, the Latino community, there's still more work that needs to be done in regards to those representatives, baby, baby steps. Um, In fact, the Television Academy put out a report, you know, about how still some groups are still, even though there's been a lot of effort in regards to representation, there are still some groups that are still marginalized and still haven't felt the benefits of that. Mm -hmm. And the Latino community is one. I I think it's us knowing our value and knowing Mm -hmm. our place and, and knowing that somebody took the effort to either start a family and a life here for for us or continued and persevered through challenges so that we could be in this day. So we could be in this time and be represented and be loved and, and have our voices be heard. And if that's the case, let's take advantage of that and not you know, hide behind it. I, I have amazing, beautiful girlfriends, Latina friends, and, and and I could give you lists of how many amazing of them are that have launched their own businesses, women business owners, strong first generation, second generation. And when I talk to them and I, and I, and I talk to them about, you know, some of the things that we see going on still today, they're in this place of like, I could listen to that, or I'm just going to pave the way. And I'm going to hire people that look yeah. like I'm going to have clients that look like me and I'm going to change the narrative. I think the only like baby steps, the only way we stop taking baby steps and start running is I think just go for it and do it. You know, Mm -hmm. like if we're going to be dreamers, really dreamers, like we got to dream and execute and let's just do it, you know, like, and you're doing a great job with this podcast. It gives opportunity to have some of these challenging conversations and have some conversations of motivation and have some conversations of encouraging others that say, you can do it. You know, I, I would have thought, you know, when I had those challenges about, I need to have a partner 
to, to looks like this and sounds like this and be educated like this, you know, to be, I launched my new business this last year, solo doing a lot of the marketing strategy. I'm, I'm, I'm consulting Lionsgate on a movie. I've got American reality television, whereas I've got so many different celebrities making well into the six figures completely by myself in this value of knowing myself, right? Anyone, oh, can do it. Anyone can do it. And I think more now than ever, especially as women, we're creative beings. Not only do we physically create life, but yeah. we're, creative we're great at multitasking. And, you know, we just have this nature that comes with us. The world needs that in social media, in copywriting, in marketing. Men have dominated the tech space. What mm-hmm. happens when you bring in more women in those spaces, right? right. The, um, the Artes has a woman running the metaverse program right now and, and building out a bunch of different stuff. And she comes with this rapid fire, creative stuff. And I'm like, you go girl. You Amazing. Know? <laughs> I love it. I love it. So I do want to talk about, um, the, you're overseeing the social media strategy, right. For the American reality television awards. So tell me about the awards, what yeah. you love about it, you know, why you were drawn to do social media for it and then your mission for it too. Oh, I love it. So a lot of people love reality TV. And I think that we don't always talk about it because it has this stigma that mm-hmm. it's negative or drama filled. And I will say that you do find that in reality. But if you think about it in all of our lives, we face a lot of this stuff. That's why it's called reality TV. Yeah. Like it's stuff that we normally see and you're, you're, you're being a fly on the wall to some people's lives. Right. And when you see like, you know, Grammys and Emmys and and Oscars, they're all, you know, highlighting certain types of talent and reality stars, although they may not be these, these actors, they're still allowing us to view their lives, right? We're seeing amazing producers and crews working on this content that we are digesting every single day, right? On all these Mm -hmm. different platforms and they just weren't being recognized. And Andrew and Kristen and the rest of the the founders of the organization, they looked at this and said, wait a minute, these people need voices. These people need to be recognized. These shows that the the stigma around them and and the lack of creativity that's that people think that it takes. Let's get that all out of the way. And let's really focus on these hardworking television production companies, crews and cast. And they've done an amazing job over the last several years. And I started working with them last year. So they were one of the uh, clients that I served in my last agency. Mm-hmm. And we, we had so much fun working with them throughout the pandemic was challenging too. And then this year, you know, they called me back and said, hey, we want to roll this out. And they've elevated so much this year, even from last year in what they're doing. Fantastic. And I really see this becoming an award show. It's already recognized all over the world, but I really see this competing against a lot of the other award shows coming here in the next few years, especially as reality TV is becoming more and more popular. And I really feel like we're moving away from, you know, your traditional television shows and sitcoms mm-hmm, and moving mm-hmm. to reality as social media becomes more and more popular. Yes, that's so, so true. I've had a lot of fun working with the team. Um, there's interns on the team that are absolutely amazing and really diligent. And we've just had such a fun time working with such a diverse uh, group of people um, from all over the, the states and just building this brand and and, and giving reality te- television the recognition it needs. Oh, that's wonderful. And this actually goes into basically like your role and your mission with your own company, right? So it's identity amplified. And so when it comes to 
branding and social media marketing, because that's what everybody wants to do. Everyone's got something that, and that's good. I love, like, listen, I've got this, I've got my, our passion project, which is really great because it's a platform for so many people to like educate, you know, learn from, be inspired by, you know, get like, you know, the, the fire going too, you know, underneath them. So what, what do you focus on when it comes to those creatives that come to you um, in regards to getting their brand out there? Like, what's like the number one rule when it comes to the mission? I always tell people, we got to start with you being you, right? When we think about all the people we love on social media, they don't care if they're well-polished or their makeup or their hair is done. They get on there, they film a video, they post it, right? Mm-hmm. And there's tension behind everything that they do. If you want to build a brand, like you're asking me what my mission is, what's the mission of the brand? Who's the audience? And the best question is, how do you serve that audience? Mm -hmm. Do you want to make them laugh? Do you have a service you want to provide them? Um, Are you giving recognition like the Artas? Like, what are you going to be giving the community? We've got a lot of negative things that get spread on social media every day. My goal is to help people take their mission, serve people and love people well, through their social media content. And a lot of my clients, especially the celebrity ones, they've turned their backs on social media. They don't want to be involved because of how negative it is. Mm -hmm. I come in, I change the conversation a little bit. I say, well, hold on. You produce really good music and really good movies. We need to show people that let's put more positivity in the feed and in the timelines of social media. I'll help you do it. And so I'm helping them manage their platforms and create content. And I serve a lot of solopreneurs, a lot of new businesses and entrepreneurs. I do group training twice a month. They can hop on. It's very inexpensive. And I teach them, how do we break the algorithms? How do we come up with viral fun content? I have a client, he had 1500 followers. He just has a real hit 130,000 today. He's up over 3,000. Yeah. It's amazing. Just having fun and having conversations Everyone has an audience there, right? We have an audience. This podcast has an audience. Mm -hmm. How do we touch them, impact them? How do we encourage them to take action? And so my mission really is, is to simplify social media so that they can amplify. Which is so great because there's always all these questions, right? Everyone's always (laughs) talking about social media, this and that. So I'm going to ask you some questions. See if you, you know, pull the curtain, you know, back so we can see the reality of it all. So increasing followers everyone seems to have like their own idea oh you have to like um write on someone's posts and have them follow back or you know there's like the services that hire people what's the best advice for you to give to anyone video content right now is king I don't know if it's going to change but that's what's important so spending more time in video content and using all the features you know in, in the class that I'm teaching soon I'm talking a lot about the posting checklist When you post on a platform, I want you to think about what the platform that you're posting on and really be intentional. For example, if I'm going to go on Facebook, I want to see who just had a baby, who is having a baby shower. I want to see my family. So when I write a post on there about my business, let me make sure that it comes from a friendly family perspective, because that's what people want to see. They want to be more personal on Instagram people's attention spans are literally like that. You you catch them or you lose them. So let's be really short content, engaging. Don't take a lot of time in your videos saying, hi, my name is Sarah from Identity Amplified. They have swiped past your posts, right? (laughs) Start right off with the pain point or the one thing, like if you're a fitness trainer, hey, having a hard time losing weight, I got the three steps for you. You know, you jump right into it. And when I say use all the features, 
there's stories, there's reels, there's posts. Get excited about trying out those different features and seeing which ones work and benefit for you. I'll tell you the quick cheat sheet of Instagram right now. Two to three reels a week, three stories every 24 hours. Let them expire before you post again. And if you're going to do a photo post or a graphic, make sure it's a carousel. So those swipe ones. So if you've got a selfie, you better take a second selfie and have that be a swipe or have it be your selfie and your bio after that. Because we want to tell Instagram that our content is valued. People are going to spend more time on our content and keep them on the platform. And those platforms will then reward us. No, good. That's important for all the Latinas out there too, (laughs) for our Latina community. So let's remember that because we want to make sure Instagram knows that and hears us. What about that, um, you know, the, the, I would say the challenge to get that blue check mark. What is that that all about? So everyone's like, how do you get the blue check mark? I don't know. (laughs) You know, you can submit now on the back end. They've made it easier. It really comes down to this. You need five good press articles and, you know, they can't be press releases or anything that you can just purchase and do yourself, you know, finding a publicist or just submitting, right? There's, um, you know, there's Forbes contributors. You can find Latina business owners, supporting Latina business owners. There's four contributors that specifically only write on female Latina business owners. Okay. Message them them and say, I have this podcast. I have this business. Here's why, you know, you should write about me. A Forbes article will be one of five very important articles needed to be verified. And, you know, it can be really challenging to verify a brand. It's much easier on TikTok and Facebook. But when you have those credible sources, it really does to help for them to know. But here's the other thing. There's a lot of people making a great amount of money and turning a profit on social media, building an audience and impacting a community without a blue check. It all just comes down to making sure that there is a value in your content and that you're not just asking people to do something for you, but you're giving back. This podcast, for example, you're giving people a platform. You want to ask people to tune in, but tell them, hey, every time you tune in, it helps to grow the voices of the women on this platform. So you're doing something for me by tuning in. You're doing something for the people here. And then tell something like do a giveaway to have a podcast. Hey, nominate your friends, tag your friends in the captions that you think should be on this podcast. It gets the engagement going and it's a win-win. When you create win-wins for people on social media, they want to support you. They want to continue to support them because they feel like they're supported by you. God, I love it. I love it. This is great. All of this 101 information for all of our community. <laughs> this is where we're going to get stronger and we're going to grow. All right. The right. last, I wanted to get your thoughts on this. Um, what's going to last longer? What's more impactful right now? Like Twitter, there's so much talk about Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat. I mean, if you had to do the one, one channel only, one platform only, which one would you suggest? It would be Instagram. It would definitely okay. be Instagram. You know, I I do love TikTok. Their algorithm beats all of the other algorithms, Um, but it's not the safest platform to be on. And it's Mm. not really driven so much for businesses. And I I tend to not like the addiction to it, right? Because the algorithm is so good. They want to keep you on it for hours. Mm, (laughs) You know, like, (laughs) I like Instagram. It has a lot of different features. Um, It is owned by Meta and Facebook. So there's great partnerships between those two platforms. So if I had to absolutely choose one, it would definitely be Instagram. Now, before I let you go, there is what I was reading up on you. And there's this quote, this line that you have, risk can bring failure. And on the other side of failure is success. What would you tell other Latinas who want to follow in your footsteps, start their own business? 
in regards to taking that philosophy and not be afraid. I mean, we're we're strong women. We're strong women. We, we, we don't like to lose. Right. And failure sometimes looks like a loss, but Mm -hmm. when we see failure as an opportunity of growth, it's a big win. When I had to shut the doors of my business because we weren't profitable, it was challenging. I had 13 employees that 108 accounts we were running. It, it just, it was heartbreaking, right? Mm-hmm. But I knew that I'd lost myself in it. I thought failure was my identity. And if I failed, that I was a failure and that I had lost. What I realized though quickly was that it was just a pivot into where I believe I was meant to be. Mm-hmm. So when you no longer fear failure, the only option is success. And so I love taking the risk because even if you fail, you still win. I love it. That's great. May we all remember that. I mean, wisdom, wisdom, truth, completely. So before I let you go, I know I said I was going to let you go, but after, I know you've got the big award show coming up. That's um, this Thursday. Yes. After that, you take a vacation. What's going on? What's next for you? Oh, your book. I know you got your book. I, I'm still writing my book. Um, there's a, a Lionsgate movie coming out. We'll be doing some announcements on that on my website very soon that I'm consulting right now. Um, I've got a couple of projects. I, I do work with some really cool artists that have fun stuff coming out, but you know, December and, and November, December, is definitely going to be family time, right? I need to eat some tamales. I need to not worry about gaining some weight. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, that's what like, we're in the cocina con las madres, con todas, yes. las tamales. That's it. That's, that's oh, where we're at. So I'm totally fine with taking a little break and, and eating some good food. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much. Honestly, this was so enjoyable. I can't believe 30 minutes flew by like this. Um, I feel like we could talk for hours. So we're going to have to have you back again, please. Absolutely. This time with Melena on. Yes. And to all the Latinas out there listening and anybody who's tuning in, please remember, you know, listen to us on iHeart and on Apple and on Google and on YouTube, all your platforms where you can like listen to podcasts and besos a todas. Suerte con todo. And until next time, thank you so much. See you later.